0: I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle. This week on Fifth Emission, we're keeping the focus on wildfires and the PG&E power shutoffs. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast to hear updates from our reporters and editors. Some of these will be brief, some of them a little bit longer, but they'll be directly from journalists in the field. For the latest information on both fires and power, follow our coverage at sfchronicle.com Or download the San Francisco Chronicle app and get alerts on your phone. Here's the latest update. I'm Damian Bulwa, Metro Editor, and as we continue to cover the fires today, midday on Wednesday, Lizzie Johnson, a reporter who's been out in the field, is with me. Lizzie, thanks for calling in.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, Lizzie, before we get to uh, the assignment that you had yesterday following crews out at the Kincaid Fire, give us the latest on the fire. There was a big fear of overnight winds heading in from Tuesday night into Wednesday morning.
1: Yeah, so the winds actually weren't quite as bad as people had predicted Um, at the end of the day. There were 206 structures destroyed. Ninety-four of those were homes. And so far, the Kincaid Fire has cost $23.3 million to fight. But at 76,825 acres, there was good news this morning, and that is that it is 30% contained.
0: So they sort of survived the night. This was a, a wind event um, that they were hoping would would not push the fire south into those areas where the Tubbs Fire two years ago burned thousands of homes, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it was a major win for them. The wins that they feared didn't really materialize in the way that they thought they would.
0: Well, that's great. Great news. Lizzie, I want to talk to you about the the story that you did. You, on Tuesday, went out with a crew doing damage inspections after the fire. So who are these people? What do they do? Uh, why did you decide to, to spend your day with them?
1: So I spent the day with two firefighters. It was Kim Son and Carlos Hernandez. And they are um, one of nine sets of people driving around Sonoma County, sort of tallying the devastation and what it looks like. And part of their job is not only to count the structures, whether they're houses and outbuildings, but to kind of decode the puzzle of how they were built and why they burnt. So, you know, things like whether they have single pane windows, which means a house might be more likely to catch fire to whether they advance where embers could possibly enter. So they they kind of have a a two hit use. The first is a lot of families don't know what happened to their house. And so by going out and taking pictures and marking them as standing or destroyed, it can give people a sort of sense of closure to figure out what's actually happening because they can't be at home. And then the second use is to create this really rich database of how all of these home, homes were burnt and how they were built, which might lead to new legislation or future studies about, you know, what building code should look like in fire prone areas.
0: Before we go on, let's listen a little bit to Kim and Carlos describing what they do out there. We do what's called damage assessment, and we circle the perimeter of the structures within the fire zone to determine if it's, there's damage, minor damage, if it's destroyed, um, or if there's no damage at all document the address so that homeowners know if their house is the condition of their home. And also document whatever construction features we can make out that were part of the building. Whatever could have affected um, or caused, I mean, the uh, structure to possibly catch on fire or help prevent it from catching on
1: fire. Um, And we collect that data on the structures that have been destroyed. Yep also catalog any uh, residences
0: that have not been damaged so that uh, the homeowners can access that information uh, via some means to determine if their home was uh, affected or not by the fire and to what degree. So walk us through what this, what this is like. You're with this crew in this evacuated area. What, you, what are you doing? Like, where where do you guys go? How do you find the damage?
1: Yeah, so they were assigned to the area north of Highway 128 near uh, Alexander Valley. And so it's kind of like this big chase where they don't really know where they're going. They have these GPS devices that mark exactly where they drive. So there's someone back at the fairground watching this little wiggle through the hills, similar to what you would use for um, GPS tracking or bike ride or a run. So they have to follow every road to be thorough. And a lot of times they are these really winding vineyard roads or cow paths that go up these steep hills or deep down into goalies and they don't know what's at the end. And lo and behold, a lot of times there are these just beautiful homes tucked back in the hills. Sometimes they're standing and sometimes they show up and there's nothing left.
0: And sometimes they're occupied, right?
1: And sometimes they're occupied. Someone has defied the evacuation order and stayed. Um, sometimes saving their house, sometimes coming back to find that there is no house.
0: When you were there, Kim Sohn was talking to a homeowner about saving their house, and we have some sound of that. Let's uh, take a listen.
1: We made out, pie my brother-in-law has an earth-moving business in Hillsburg, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he had a water truck. and a water truck and a bulldozer up here and three of his guys. Oh, good. And we made a stand. Good for you. And look, Yep. you have something to show for it. Yep, it wouldn't be here. We didn't do I understand. That. It was so brutal watching the neighbors over there go up. Yeah, it's hard. It's gut wrenching.
0: So Lizzie, tell us about this man that they meet out there. Did he? He did defy the evacuation order, correct?
1: He did defy the evacuation order, which I must caution you aren't supposed to do, because a lot of times civilians think that they can somehow save their house with a hose, and you know, and that goes wildly wrong. They get in the way of first responders who have jobs to do. So maybe think twice before doing that. But in this case, it worked out all right for this guy. He had a brother with a bunch of equipment and they managed to save his house.
0: So at some point they come upon a home that they didn't know was burned down, right? Exactly. And what was that like?
1: So they were driving up this really steep dirt track coming up from the vineyard, not expecting to see anything at the top. And all of a sudden, their tires hit a paved road, and they both were just like, whoa, what is a paved road doing all the way up here? And down the street, they noticed that there were these stucco walls standing, and from a distance, you couldn't tell whether the house had a flat roof and was still up or whether it had uh, burned down in the fire. As they drove closer, they realized that the house was buckled into itself and everything was smoldering. The propane line was still flaming. Um... And it just, you know, they were a little shocked, but it just goes to show how many houses are tucked back in the hills of Sonoma County, that they can be stumbling across downed houses, you know, maybe a day or two after they burned.
0: And for people who don't know the area, that's sort of north of the Alexander Valley, which is, of course, the famed wine region. It starts to go up into these hills that are ha, have been burned so heavily by the Kincaid Fire, right? Exactly. Tell us a little about these two firefighters, and what it's like to do this job where they go around and find these homes that have been burned.
1: So the interesting part is um, these nine teams of two people each, a lot of the pairs hadn't met each other before they were put on these assignments. So you can imagine what it's like crawling into a car with someone for 16 hours a day who you don't know that well. Uh, luckily, they seemed to get along, though there was a bit of you know, um, Northern versus Southern California rivalry. Kim is from Northern California. Carlos was from Southern California, but they bonded over the vegetarian lunches. And, um, you know, like, like anyone that witnesses something sort of traumatic like this, they seem to kind of push themselves through. They've seen a lot of downed houses. They've come a lot of, you know, really distraught people who have stayed at their houses and had parts of it burned down or, um, really elaborate outbuildings, pool buildings, laundry houses, and the back burned down. Um, But they see it as doing their job and giving relief to people who need to know an answer as to whether they have a home to come back to.
0: You've been out with people like them after a lot of these fires now. In the campfire, you were with crews like this that were going around. You were with crews that were looking, unfortunately, for burned bodies um, in the campfire. Is it difficult for them? Is it emotional?
1: I think they really do see it as a task, a job that they have to complete. And that gives them a sense of tunnel vision, a way of, you know, this is their way to do something meaningful. And they just have to focus on this one thing and they can process their own emotions later. So I do imagine it is tough for them, but that is, you know, not something they will willingly bring up on their own very often, unless I ask about it.
0: So what happens to this information that they that they're taking? Where does it go? How, how does it end up with the public?
1: So it goes in a big database and you can basically see how houses were built um, when they burned down. We noticed this after the campfire. There was a big database of those houses that burned down and realizing that many of them were about 30 years old and didn't have the fire resistance standards passed by the state in 2008. So. Um, it really does matter how you build your house and whether it might survive or not. So this kind of data helps figure out what things the state might need to consider next.
0: Also, doesn't it show that when we're following the news of these fires, we're hearing that a certain number of homes burned each day, but they usually lag a day or two behind?
1: Exactly. So the houses that we were finding that were burned down, they might not hit the tally until later that evening or the next morning. So you can always assume in a big disaster like this that the number will probably rise day after day until it hits a certain point. What you get on the first day likely isn't what it will stay at.
0: But those homes may have burned down days ago.
1: Yes. Yeah. And they might have just stumbled across them that moment.
0: Lizzie, last question. You've been covering fires now for a couple of years for us intensively and have been to all these fires. And now you're you're reporting in an area that you were in two years ago. Where people, the same people that evacuated, are being evacuated again. Some people that evacuated last time are now losing their homes. Um, what's that? What's that been like? How, how's that been personally for you?
1: You know, it was interesting driving up to Santa Rosa, where the base camp is. It looked exactly the same as it did after the Tubbs fire in 2017. Um, They're staged at the Sonoma County Fairgrounds, so I do think you start seeing a bit of this like, oh, we're doing this again, a deja vu feeling of like, oh, we, this just happens. So um I think covering wildfires is really important. It's it's a really it's a really big issue related to climate change and how people live and where people live. And you know, I I do it and I love it because I think it's something that the rest of the country needs to know about and people need to think about living in California. And so in that way it gives me a sense of purpose.
0: Well, Lizzie, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank
1: you again for having me. Follow The Chronicle's coverage of wildfires and power
0: outages at sfchronicle.com by downloading The Chronicle's app and by staying subscribed to The Fifth Emission podcast. Thanks for listening.